This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Well, good morning and welcome to the Mission Viejo Church of Christ. What a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. If you're visiting with us for the first time, we want to let you know that you are our honored guest and you are always welcome to this church whenever the doors are open. And we believe you've come to the right place because I don't think you'll find a finer church in all of Mission Viejo. Amen. Amen. Before we begin, I can't say enough about the holiday party that we had last night here at the church building. This was my second one. Uh, and uh, I tell you what, we had a really great time. We had a blast. It started with uh, a uh, cookies and, and hot chocolate and things of that nature. And then we went into a prophecy tree where uh, we were given bags and we put together ornaments and uh, we placed those ornaments on the trees and the kids got to go, tree, the, kid got to, the kids got to come up and, and talk about how the prophecies were fulfilled and then they hung them up on the tree. We just had a, a, a great time and then Ed uh, led us in some wonderful songs and then we had a candlelight ceremony at the end. And again, we just want to say thank you to the Acosta family for heading up that event. Thank you so much. You did a wonderful, wonderful job. We really appreciate you. What a great, great time. <laughs> well, this morning we're going to continue on in our four-part sermon series on the subject of Advent. And last week I presented you with a working definition of what Advent was, and we talked about the difference that Christmas makes in the lives of of us Christians and why it's so important for us and why we can celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. No matter your background and how you grew up viewing uh, Christmas, we can all celebrate as Christians. Today in part two, I want to talk about Mary and why she's so important. Not my Mary because she's beautiful and lovely and so important, but we're talking about Mary and Mary Vaughn. Mary, the mother of Jesus this morning. And we're going to talk about some possible reasons on why, out of all the people in the world, God chose Mary to be the mother of Jesus. And I want to make this point very clear this morning. The Bible says that God is looking for people to use. If you believe that this morning, say amen. God is looking for people to use, and if you'll just be usable... God will add tremendous blessings to your life. And I believe that you haven't lived yet unless you've experienced being used by God to bless someone else. Now, to Mary. You know, there's a lot of misconceptions about Mary, isn't there? Not once in the Bible does it say we are to worship Mary. Not once in the Bible does it say that she was perfect or sinless. Not once does it say that Mary is God. However, the Catholic Church suggests that Mary is a saint and that intercession can be made through her to God. But I want to say something different about Mary. I think what makes Mary so special was her plain and ordinary life, if you think about it. And what makes her so special is that God used this ordinary person to do something so special and extraordinary in the world. And I believe that's why Mary 
is so, so special. So why did God choose Mary? It wasn't because of her theological education. She didn't have a doctorate in ministry or anything like that. It wasn't because of her wealth. She didn't have a lot of money. As a matter of fact, Scripture communicates to us that she was somewhat poor. It wasn't because she was mature, because the Bible says that she, in fact, was very young. Commentators say that she was a teenager. So why did God choose Mary? Well, I think God chose Mary because she trusted in him. Simple. God chose Mary because she trusted in him. And you notice throughout Scripture, God often uses young people to carry out his will, his way. Scripture says that Jesus was about 30 years old when he was baptized by his cousin John the Baptist, you remember? And his ministry lasted approximately three years. And then he called some disciples, some apostles. And many commentators say that the disciples or the apostles were very young men when they were called by Jesus. As a matter of fact, some say they were teenagers. Some say that they were in their early 20s. Can you believe that? Young people. And then God called Joseph and Mary, who were basically teenagers. And what I want to contend to you this morning is that we need young people to help lead the church into the 21st century. And I'm encouraging our young people, whatever you consider young, amen, to allow God to use you and to have some of our senior, mature members here mentor us. And I see that narrative all throughout Scripture. Luke chapter 1, verses 28 and 29. Let's begin as we consider why God chose Mary this morning. The scripture says here, the angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. In your bulletin this morning, you'll see a sermon outline. Take that out and fill in these principles here, these highlighted statements. Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. As we open up and we look at the, the gospel according to Luke, we know that Luke was a very interesting character throughout Scripture. Uh, commentators say that Luke was a Greek physician. He was a, a doctor and he was very detail-oriented, and we know that he wrote not only the Gospel of Luke, but also the historical account of the book of the Acts of the Apostles, and he was very, very detail-oriented. We don't know if he physically wrote the book, because the letters uh, there are, are, are somewhat ambiguous at times. Uh, we don't know if he physically wrote it with his own handwriting, but it got written down. And I would contend to you that he probably didn't write it down physically because who can understand a doctor's handwriting? Amen. <laughs> Fire this morning, right? But anyway, these letters, these words were written down. And, and in these writings, Luke, not only in the Gospel of Luke, but in, the, gospel, or in the, the, the historical book of the Acts of the Apostles, gives very factual and detailed-oriented descriptions of what was going on. And what Luke is trying to do here through his writings is encourage us to use reason 
along with faith to prove that Jesus was the Messiah. So as you look at the gospel according to Luke, you see all these little nuances, these very specific details. And one of these words that I love, or this statement that I love so much that Luke uses here out of the words of this, of this angel is that, is that Mary was highly favored. Now this term highly favored is not used very often in the Bible. But it's used on very specific, important occasions, and this statement, uh, coupled with others, really makes people think and understand, according to the Catholic tradition, that Mary must have been a saint or a supernatural person because this term, highly favored, was used. But then there's another statement that we read in this text, and it's verse number 29. When Mary heard this statement, Scripture says that she was greatly greatly troubled. And naturally, you would be too, right? You're a teenager, you haven't been married yet, and the Holy Spirit says you're going to have a baby, and the scripture says she she was highly troubled, so we see a picture of her humanity here. And why was she troubled? Well, she would have had to deal with the fear of criticism, right? What will everyone think? I went to Harding, Right, and Mary and I, uh, we uh, were married. I was 21 years old and she was 22 uh, years old. And immediately after we said, I do, Alayla came into the picture, right? I mean, just like that. We said, I do, and Alayla was there, okay? So it was funny because we had just been married and Mary started showing, and a lot of people would come up to us and say, We know why you got married. And I said, Yeah, because I love her so much and she loves me. Uh, but there was a lot of possible criticism there, right? Because uh, was this baby out of wedlock? And I'm just thinking through what Mary could have been dealing with at this time, right? This baby is out of wedlock and, and criticism was going to come her way. So she was troubled about that. She was troubled about the fact that this was something that was supernatural. This baby is going to be in my womb. What is going to happen here? The fear of the inadequacy. Can I handle this being young? Can I do it? The fear of change, right? How will having this child change my life? And I heard having children really changes your life, amen? How will this all impact her? So all these things were probably going through her head, and Scripture says she was greatly troubled. So we get to see this picture of her humanity. But you know what helped her overcome this fear? Well, it's found in this very next verse, Luke chapter 1 and verse number 45. It says here, Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. She was able to overcome her fear because of her belief. God wants to use you. And in order for God to use you, you must believe and have faith despite whatever circumstances are in your your way. He wants to use us to bring others to faith in him, and it takes belief that he can do what he says he will do. So if you're looking at your outline, I've got three points, three principles for you this morning as we're talking about why God chose Mary and how God wants to use us. There are three types of people, I believe, that God uses today. Three types of people. And I want you to write this down and marinate on this and think about it. Um, this morning. There are three types of people that God uses, and I hope that we all fall into this category, these categories, uh, this morning. 
the first type of person or people that God uses are people who desire to do His will. People who desire to do His will. Number two is this. God uses people who decide to pay the cost. Who decide to pay the cost. And lastly, God uses people who dare to trust Him. That's the type of people that God uses today. So point number one, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 9 and 10. God uses people who desire to do His will. Scripture says here, so we make it our goal to please Him. Whether we are at home in the body or away from it, for we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. God uses people who desire to do his will. We have to make it our goal to please him. That's what we do. We live we move, we have our being to please God. That's why we exist, to please Him. God told Joseph and Mary, I have a job for you to do. And God often tells us through different means that He has work that He wants us to accomplish. You know, in our church here at the Mission Viejo uh, congregation here, we have, we have elders, we have six of them, and we have leaders here. And our leaders are here to equip us to do what? Works of service, opportunities to serve, right? And God wants us to please him through our service. But oftentimes, you know what? We have these opportunities to serve, but things prevent us from serving. Oftentimes, our fear prevents us from serving or, or our, our busyness. But it's exciting, I know, to our shepherds when someone comes up and says, I have this ministry idea and I want to carry it out and I want to do this just to please the Lord. It's an exciting thing. Have you ever had your kids do chores just because they wanted to please you? Me neither. But I'm saying if we did. <laughs> no, I had, a, I had a, a, a good example. One day, Layla came home and she said, Dad, I'm just going to do the dishes because I want to help mom out because she's tired from work. And she took initiative on that. I didn't have to tell her to do that. And Izzy was cleaning her room. We just want to make this place nice before mom comes home from work. And I tell you what, that moved me. Because they did that just to please their mom. Just to please, and maybe for some ice cream later on. But that's a different story. But just to please their mom. And I thought that was powerful. And that's what God wants from us. He wants us to take initiative to do works of service to please him. God shouldn't have to beg and plead to get us to do some kind of work of service. Our church leaders shouldn't have to beg and plead to get us to serve because God desires or loves people who desire to do his will. He gets excited about that. So this morning, I hope we have people here that just have a desire to please him through how they live their lives. And God will use you in tremendous ways if you have that desire. Point number two, God uses people who decide to pay the cost. I want to take you to this very interesting passage found in Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, verses 59 and 60. And you've read this passage of Scripture before, but as I read it this time around, it brought on some new meaning and it was kind of interesting. So you guys bear with us here this morning as, as I read this passage and really try to explain what I think is going on in this text. It says here, he said to another man, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, First, let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, 
but you and proclaim the kingdom of God. My goodness, Jesus. That's a little rude, isn't it? I mean, that's some strong language. My dad is at home sick, and I want to make sure I take care of him. And Jesus said, you let the dead bury their dead. What? Right? Jesus was Jewish. He knew all the scriptures that said, honor thy father and mother. Knew that was a very important command. Yet when this man was attempting to honor his father, Jesus said, let the dead bury their dead. And as we read, and as we read through this text, it's, it's, it's somewhat interesting that he would make a response or a comment like that. I want to make this clear this morning. There's always a cost. Always a cost in deciding to follow God's will. Always a cost. And Scripture tells us whenever you try to do good, evil is going to be right there. Right? Whenever you try to, have you ever tried to do something nice for somebody and just backfire? Whenever you try to do God's will, evil is always present and it's always going to be right there. That's why scripture says don't get weary in well-doing. You keep doing it anyway. But there's a cost when you decide to do God's will and to love others and to carry out his purposes in the world. If you were to say to God, God, in 2016, which I hope all of us are saying, I'm going to give you more of me. God is going, that's wonderful. I'm excited about that. If you say in 2016, Lord, I want to be closer to you. God's saying, that's exciting, that's wonderful. I'm, I'm so thrilled about that. But he's also saying, guess what? It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. You're going to have to give up some stuff in your life in order for that to happen. And that's what the message was to this, this individual here that, that said, Lord, I want to follow you. All right? So, so why did Jesus come up? with this response. Well, Jesus makes it clear that this guy was a procrastinating disciple. Any procrastinators here this morning? Is it just me? Amen. There's a couple of us, right? We'll have a small group meeting afterwards to talk about how we can do better with that, right? Procrastinators, you know something needs to be done, and you're going to get to it, right? You're eventually going to get to it, and you will get it done, but we procrastinate often, right? This was a procrastinating disciple. He had a good reason. Uh, commentators say, you know, that his father may have been at home and still alive. And maybe he was struggling with some kind of illness. And maybe it would have taken some time for this father to pass away. As we read this text, we're thinking that the father has already passed away and he needs to bury him immediately. But there may be a different way of viewing this. Maybe his father was sick and he was a caretaker of his father. And maybe he fed his father bathed him, clothed him, and was waiting for his father to pass on. He had a good reason. The scripture says, honor your father and mother, and you take care of home first. That's what we read about in the Bible. But Jesus is teaching another principle through his comment here. Jesus is teaching that God's business comes before family business. Wait, wait a minute. Huh? Yeah, that, that, that's right. That's what he's teaching. God's business comes before even your family business. And somehow this has been reversed today, right? I talk to a lot of Christian people, and you know, they say my priority is this, family, God. And I go, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I'm not quite sure that's how it goes. I think it goes God, family, right? But somehow culturally today we have reversed it, and we're okay with that. So it's family first. It's family priorities, family things that we've got to do first. And that has infested our culture, especially down here in South Orange County. 
right? Oftentimes we have so many family things going on that guess what? We put God's business second place. We've got to take the kids to the events, to the activities. We have this family gathering over here. We're going to be over here. And what we do is we start neglecting God's business just a little bit. But in our minds, we say, no, no, no. Because family is God's business. We understand that. But I'm just saying here what Jesus said. He's flipping his priorities just a bit. He said, no, the priority is kingdom business first. And that blesses the family life. Amen. You see, when I was growing up, I grew up in the South, Georgia. And in Georgia, we had Sunday morning Bible class that began at 9 o'clock. We were there every single Sunday morning, right? Every single Sunday morning. Then we had worship that started about 10. The Darden family took up a whole pew. We were right in the front every single morning. And then we had Sunday evening service. Ugh. We got to go back? We were at church all day, and now we got to go back, right? We're seeing the same people that we just saw, right? So we would go to Sunday evening service, and then there was the dreaded Wednesday night service. And we were there every single gathering. And my parents made it a point to have their entire family in worship or in the church building whenever the doors were open. And I'll never forget that. We would have football practice during the week on Wednesday. Church started at 7, football practice ended at 7. My mom would come and pick us up early. We'd still be filthy in our football pads sitting there for Bible class at church at the Hinesville Church of Christ. I'll never forget it, in Hinesville, Georgia. And I, I loathed it. I despised it. Oh, I don't want to go. But my parents instilled that into me so that when I got to college, you know those times where you felt like skipping a little bit? Chris knows what I'm talking about. You'd have the same experience. It felt weird. And I said, something's going on. Something's not right, right? Because they instilled those principles. God is first, right? And his business is first. And, we're, and many of our parents here this morning, we're trying to instill those same principles into our children now, right? So that when they become adults and they don't attend, they go, something is wrong in my life right now. It just doesn't feel right. So that's what Jesus is saying here. Our priorities needs to be God's business, kingdom business first. And guess what? You can do that with taking your family alongside you in the process, can't you? And those other things are secondary. That's just my opinion, my thought. Lastly, God uses people who dare to trust him. Who dare to trust him. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. This is... Uh, my wife's, one of her favorite verses, it says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Don't you love this passage? Powerful. God uses people that dare to trust in him. You know, it takes courage to be used by God. Now, let me tell you about courage and what courage is. Courage does not mean that you're not afraid. Okay? Courage is, is not the absence of fear. Courage is moving ahead in spite of your fear. Amen? It's facing your fear, and that's what courage is all about. Another word for courage is faith. And Mary here in this text was a woman of deep faith. She didn't have all the answers. 
She didn't understand why all this stuff was happening to her, but she trusted in God despite everything that was going on in her life at the time. And I want to suggest to you this morning that when you come upon situations in your life, when, you're, when you think you're, you're in over your head, to have courage, to have faith. I heard one preacher say this, don't worry, worship. Amen? Don't panic, pray. And any time I believe that you're afraid, it means you forgot the promises of God. And I would encourage you to claim those promises. So God uses three types of people. Three types of people this morning. Those who desire to do his will, those who decide to pay the cost, and people who dare to trust him. And as we close this morning, I want to give you a personal challenge. As I was thinking about this, what can I leave the church with this morning? What can I encourage you to do this week as we think about why God chose Mary and how God wants to choose us and use us to do his will this morning? I've got three just really practical, personal challenges that you can carry out right now that are really simple. And these are really, really basic, but I think they're important. It's something that you can get involved in this week. In thinking about Mary and how she was allowing herself to be used by God, we ought to allow ourselves to be used by God. And here's one way that we can allow ourselves to be used by God right now, and I use these often, but they're so simple. One, volunteer at your church. Don't wait to be asked. Right? Volunteer. Step up. Get involved. Volunteer at your church. In the Army, we have this statement, uh, and it goes like this, never volunteer for anything. Right? For those of you who have been in the military, you've seen what happened, right? The drill sergeant be in front. Who? I, I need five soldiers. Raise your hand. And in the Army, they make you raise your hand, even if you don't want to. So, you, ah, you know, and they say, okay, you're on KP duty. You go separate rocks. Separate rocks. Yeah. They, so we, we, are, we, are, we are conditioned not to volunteer. I think, as, as a people group. But God wants people to step up and to volunteer. You know, we have some opportunities here to volunteer. Uh, Judy, and I'm going to mention her, bless her heart, teaches Wednesday night Bible class every Wednesday for our, our young people. And often, and not just Judy, but everyone else here who's involved in teaching on a regular basis, you know, that gets tiring sometimes, doesn't it? You get a little worn out, and you can use some relief. It'd be an awesome idea for someone here, a few of you, to step up and say, you know what, I'll teach a class for a month or two to give someone some relief. And what you're doing is you're pleasing God and you're blessing your brother and sister in Christ. Powerful. That's an opportunity. Uh, what about fellowship luncheons? I thought Juanita did a wonderful, amazing job last week, right? And everyone else who helped her out and made that worship, or that worship, it was a worship. When I was eating, I was praising the Lord for that food. But, uh, it was wonderful she did that. But you know what I saw afterwards? Uh, she was back there cleaning up too, right after she had been involved with cooking all that stuff. And I'm thankful for those of you who stayed and helped out. But there's a volunteer opportunity for anyone to just stay, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step up and I'm going to help out. So volunteer at church. Here's another one. That's point number one. Point number two is this. Attend a church gathering that you wouldn't normally attend. Okay? Attend a church gathering that you normally wouldn't attend. We have a number of gatherings outside of Sunday morning. But sadly, I'm going to fuss at you this morning, but I'm doing it because I love you, okay? Just be prepared. Some of y'all just come on Sunday, right? And I appreciate you being here on Sunday. I will never knock that, and I know how busy you are. But try to come to another event during the week just once, right? And see how it might bless and benefit your life. I'm serious. 
And you're doing that to please God and to benefit and bless your brothers and sisters of Christ. So come to a Wednesday night, come to a men's study, come to a women's group, women's study. And I know it's difficult because everybody's in different places with their work schedules and what you got going on. But just try it. Personal challenge for you. See how God blesses you through that. Right? You've all been there where you, you know you needed to be at Wednesday night Bible class and you didn't want to go. And you made yourself go that Wednesday. And you went there and it was a huge blessing for you. You've been there before or is that just me? And you're like, wow, I'm so thankful that I attended. I just encourage you to do that. And lastly, create a new ministry. Great way to volunteer. We have brains gushing. I mean, just gushing out of our church here. Did you go to Robert Acosta's class this morning? Brains just gushing everywhere. There's so much intelligence here and so many skills. You have opportunities to create ministries to bless other people, and our shepherds are so great. They, they welcome new ideas. And I appreciate uh, uh, Chris Hanby who stepped up and played and said, hey, you know, I, I have this idea. Let me talk to the elders about it. Now he's doing a great job with the ministry he's doing. Create a new ministry. I want to leave you with this. We have a new ministry starting in 2016 called the Courtyard, the Courtyard Ministry. And I've also already asked a couple of couples to be involved with the leadership team in that group. I may tap a couple of others for you, of you. And it's a ministry where we're trying to be more evangelistic, right? Uh, you're going to hear more about it. I don't want to give it all away and spill the beans. Uh, but we're creating a new ministry, and we think it's going to have a profound impact on making disciples here. So we're excited about that. So as we close this morning, I just want to leave you with those three personal challenges and remind you that God wants to use you. And all it takes is a little bit of faith and a little bit of courage. And God will use you in profound, mighty, powerful ways. And that's why we're gathered here as a church, to encourage one another, build each other up, and to be used by God, to be pleasing to Him. This morning, we've got a song of invitation selected. If there is anyone here that has a need, maybe you've been falling short, been involving yourself in a lifestyle of sin, you hadn't been pleasing to God lately, all of us are guilty. All of us fall short. This invitation is for you. You can come forward. The church will pray with you. You'll pr we'll pray for you. Maybe this morning you're not a Christian and you haven't given your life to the Lord yet. If you want to be pleasing to God, you've got to submit to Jesus Christ. You've got to do it. You've got to repent of your sins, confess Him as Lord and Savior, and be baptized. If you have not been baptized this morning, you've got to be baptized. God will be pleased with you. So whatever your needs or concerns are, won't you come together while we stand and sing? Song of Invitation. <laughs>